Welcome to Talk the Walk. I'm Janie Morris, and it's great to have your company once again. My job is to bring to you people who are raising their voices, uniting with others, exploring solutions to issues and challenges, and most of all, inspiring others with what they do. In today's uh, Talk the Walk podcast, I've invited a very special person who is the CEO of Cancer Council South Australia. Now, apart from the fact that we'd like to dig a little deeper on his background and what he does as in that role as CEO, we're also going to explore, because it is May, it is the Australia's biggest morning tea month. And so we're going to explore a little bit more of that because, of course, uh, my business, Sure is Unlimited, so, a little plug here. We are actually hosting uh, one of these biggest morning teas for Cancer Council this year, a little bit more at the end of the podcast for that. Um, but in the meantime, what I would like to do is I'm not going to introduce anything on your bio, Lincoln, because I'm going to throw some curveballs as we talk. But I would like to welcome you very much to Talk the Walk uh, podcast today. Thank you, Janie. And I look forward to whatever curveballs you throw me. <laughs> Now, as I mentioned, Lincoln, you are the CEO of Cancer Council South Australia. Can you, uh, now you've been in that role since, is it 2015? That's correct, yep. Right, excellent, thank you. So before you came along to uh, Cancer Council SA, what were you doing in the world? Um, a very eclectic career. I don't know that you want to go right into it. It'll probably take 20 minutes of uh, recounting everything that I've done. Look, immediately prior, I was a chief executive of a Medicare local, which was a Rudd's government, government initiative, uh, integrating and coordinating primary health care across regions. The region I looked after was Country South SA, um, the Medicare local, and that was about 75,000 square kilometres of um, coverage from the Riverland down to Limestone Coast and sort of from Murray Bridge across to the Victorian border. So it took in everything from Renmark down to Mount Gambier and uh, as I said, Murray Bridge across to Pinaroo. Um, prior to that, as I say, an eclectic career in a number of industries, uh, predominantly senior management. Um, but I, I guess what stood me instead for this role was the primary health um, side of things. And that gave me a good appreciation for risk factors associated with the chronic disease, of which uh, you can probably put cancer in that um, basket. So yeah, I've been here for six years and uh, it's been a great journey. So what attracted you when the role became available at Cancer Council SA? What was it about this amazing organisation? Um, it's a very strong brand and I guess the brand relies on trust and uh, the mission is, um, is fantastic. I mean, what we do here in terms of the whole cancer care continuum, we play in the space from prevention uh, through to um, screening, diagnosis, and ultimately support. So it's a complete package. The fundraising that we do is really the enabling side of things. Um, the reason we get up in the morning is our mission, which is around cancer control and uh, meeting the unmet need and supporting all those people affected by cancer. So the attraction was, I myself haven't been touched by cancer, but certainly have um, relatives and, and family that have been and friends. So, um, it's, it's one of those areas that has interest and because cancer is multifaceted um, in terms of tumor specific, blood borne, and you know, up to 50% of cancers can be um, uh, prevented through just lifestyle modification and, and addressing risk factors. Um, it was an organization that attracted me because there was the prevention side of it and there was actually the 
doing good side of it and giving back to community as part of what we do for supporting those people affected by cancer. One of the many things that uh, we know about the Cancer Council, especially here in the Cancer Council SA, is that, and you mentioned it just then, you do have facilities, um, uh, very predominant facilities um, around, not just in the CBD, but also um, regionally, the services that you do offer play a great role, uh, not just for uh, individuals who have been affected by cancer, but also the extended families and the roles that helping them play in that support. Uh, that must be incredibly rewarding to be a part of. Oh, it is. And when you talk about support facilities, um, the flagship facility we have is our accommodation, which is because South Australia is a city-state model, most complex surgeries and radiotherapy occurs in Adelaide. So people have to travel from regional South Australia to Adelaide for treatment. And that's normally on an extended cycle of six weeks or more. Um, so that support network, that ability to provide that home away from home experience and I guess normalize treatment for people that have to come to Adelaide is an extremely important part of what we do. The other side of the support is the service we offer through information and, and support. And that's through our 13 11 20 information support line, which is staffed by cancer nurses and also uh, the psychosocial counseling and the social work we provide because Besides the devastation of having a cancer diagnosis, the other aspect is once you've survived it, how you deal with the psychological aspects of it. So, you know, re-establishing relationships where you might've had a, a, an imbalance between partners because one's become a carer, whilst the other one has been going through the diagnosis, um, re-establishing work uh, back into the workforce and, you know, dealing with the anxiety of having survived cancer waking up every morning and thinking that little niggle you've got, mm, is that something that's going to um, affect me? Uh, dealing with uh, medication toxicity. I'm rambling, Janie, but uh, in terms of uh, your original question, what we do here, um, you know, it, it's, it's dealing with all of those aspects of trying to give people um, normality and dealing with the aftermath of surviving a cancer diagnosis. And I think that's really important because many of our listeners will probably right now be thinking, oh my gosh, when I think of um, organisations like Cancer Council SA, I'm thinking of the core, the core issue, the mm. you know cancer. But many of us wouldn't think about the services that are required or the support that are required, as you mentioned, of a mental health capacity. They wouldn't sort of correlate the two. And the fact that you actually have those services, I think, is is fantastic. You would have found that COVID. Uh, uh, pay, played an interesting negative role, would you not? Yeah, COVID did. So COVID impacted us a number of ways, both in terms of um, denying people access to services. So certainly when COVID was alive and people were undertaking active treatment, we noticed there was about a, a 40 to 50% drop off of screening um, practices. So people were dissuaded from going to GPs, dissuaded from uh, having screening and that certainly has a long-term impact because um, if, if you've delayed screening, then you potentially have increased your chance of a late stage diagnosis and therefore um, you know, the prognosis um, is, has advanced. The other aspect is the social isolation. So again, if you're under treatment um, and denied the ability or again, have anxiety about going to a hospital because of the COVID basis, um, it can 
change people's way they address treatment. It can change um, the support networks they have with family and friends around them. And I guess it's a good segue into Australia's biggest morning tea because whilst Australia's biggest morning tea, we were unable to host it last year, this year provides the opportunity to get people to re-engage again, to um, socialise and being social creatures that we are, we, we crave and we thrive on that ability to be able to interact with people, touch, hug, we're tactile people, um, you know, so that whole support aspect is extremely important. And the, and the biggest learning from COVID, besides, as I say, the barrier that would have put up for people to um, uh, delay going and, and seeking uh, medical assistance, was that social isolation and um, impacting mental health from the point of view of not having the, the social work around them, the, 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 the networks around them, and whilst you've got FaceTime and everything else, it's that physical presence which really helps in terms of holistic um, well-being and um, health. So let's talk about biggest morning tea. Hmm. Um, it's it's now I wouldn't say it's the biggest annual event for council um, for Cancer Council SA because of course uh, being the CEO of Cancer Council SA, you're a big fan of donning lycra. I hear. And so, and so I would suggest that uh, there are other... Yeah, had ways. to bring it up. <laughs> so how's that working for you, Lincoln? <laughs> um, it's not at the moment, Janie. So prior to joining Cancer Council, no, I did not don Lycra and I swore that I wouldn't wear Lycra. However, uh, during the Tour Down Under, we do have a cycling event and it's called Ride for a Reason. And that mobilises um, a number of people to fundraise uh, whilst also getting physically active which is another um, you know nice link into to cancer prevention um so personally i've uh, ridden a bike for six years I've, I've hung up my boots um for want of a better analogy um but thoroughly enjoyed it uh so yes cycling is as it was an always an important part of our fundraising but getting back to australia's biggest morning tea if i can just now divert and uh, take your attention away from lycra um the biggest morning tea is probably our largest flagship event both nationally and here in south australia and it, it serves two purposes one for bringing people together to share and and the whole notion of australia's biggest morning tea was based on the fact that a cancer diagnosis happens every five minutes or so in australia which is the average length of a, a you know, tea break so that was really the the notion behind it um and as an activity, um, the whole premise behind it is you know, gather, share and give. Um, that's the whole aspect of it. And again, uh, in a family home, where's the activity that, that most people generate around? The kitchen, the family table, the meal. It's that ability again to interact, connect and, and share. So Australia's Biggest Morning Tea um, has been operating for about 28 years. So I think this is our 28th year this year. And um, in terms of recognition and mobilisation, it, it, it would be the largest event um, we have on our calendar. So uh, throughout the course of May, um, mm. and with all of these biggest morning teas happening right around Australia, how many do you, do you have to go to one or two every day? <laughs> the official day is the 27th of May, but you can host a morning tea anywhere between you know, the month of May and June. Um, my biggest day is the 27th. That's uh, I try to get around to as many as possible. Um, but look, on average, uh, on a normal normal year, I'd attend probably 
eight to 10 morning teas across the, the two months. So it's not an onerous task. Um, I thoroughly enjoy it. I love getting out and um, you know, meeting people. Um, some of the food that people prepare is amazing. Um, but yeah, look, from my point of view, uh, it's not a burden at all. It's an actual joy to go out and uh, meet the people that actually support us. Um, as far as fundraising is concerned, am I right to say that that with Cancer Council SA, the biggest component of generating income would be through fundraising or do you get an equal amount from other areas such as general bequests or philanthropic uh, or the government? Yeah, so um, look, we've got about a $17 million operating budget. Um, half of that, um, around about eight to $9 million worth, we need to generate through fundraising every year. And that includes bequests, legacies, community fundraising uh, and the like. Then the next uh, split is um, a third, a third, a third. Um, so of the remaining amount, a third we get from investment income a third we get from uh, government grants to run programs uh, like Indigenous Aboriginal uh, smoking cessation programs where here from South Australia, we run a national program across Australia where we go into community and train Aboriginal health workers in smoking cessation. Um, and then the remaining third is from our lodge income, um, which we um, generate through the, the lodge accommodation. So that gives you a, a rough um, rule of thumb, but yeah, around about, nine million-ish dollars is what we need to raise every year from fundraising to maintain the operations of the business. Are you finding that in the, certainly the current economic climate, if not uh, the way things have been going over the last five or six years in particular, that you've been there as CEO, that the uh, the fundraising dollar is is getting t smaller and smaller? Um, and so I, and so events like Biggest Morning Tea are a great igniter of that because of all the reasons we've already shared. Yeah, there's, there's two aspects to it. Certainly donor fatigue is there. There are more asks on people and there's a lot of fatigue because you've got a lot of organisations competing for um, a smaller pie, piece of the pie. What we find though with the generosity of our donors is that whilst um, the number of donors remain static, the dollar value per donation in some instances has actually increased. So the generosity within our donor base has actually increased in certain aspects. Bequest income is a um, difficult one. Um, that's about managing a relationship. And normally uh, bequest income doesn't come, uh, there's about an eight year lag time between when someone you know, nominates you in the will and then and, and you receive the funds. Um, so short answer to your question, Janie. Um, it's a combination of maintaining relationships with donors because there is donor fatigue and there is a, a huge amount of ask out there uh, from a number of organizations. Um, but what we're seeing is um, certainly on some events, uh, the average donation dollar is increasing uh, per capita. So it's encouraging. That's great to hear. Mm. Now, the, this year, with the Australia's Biggest Morning Tea, as we've already talked about, everybody's having them. They're having them in their homes. Uh, a lot of people are booking venues and hosting sort of bigger, a little bit more yep. grander type of um, functions as, as, as well. I myself am going to a friend's place on the 27th. Um, she is uh, currently going second round of uh, cancer therapies. So she's hosting one there. And I have been practicing my baking for that one. But the week before, 
more on Friday the 21st. Uh, as I mentioned, my business, my company, Shiro's Unlimited, are hosting a biggest morning tea here in Adelaide at the Once and Again Cafe on Marion Road at South Plimpton. Now, our special guest is uh, the gorgeous uh, Genevieve Teresa uh, Hazy, former Lord, uh, former Lady, sorry, Mayoress of Adelaide. And she's so thrilled to be able to come down and be our guest speaker. Um, and we still, we have 10 tickets left to that uh, as, as we go to air uh, today with this uh, podcast. But all the details for that event are over at the Shiro's Unlimited website or at the Shiro's Unlimited Facebook page. Or of course, you can go to uh, janiemorris.com. Um, so we're excited about having that. And we're hoping we've got a big mega raffle there, Lincoln. And, and uh, we've got all of our... Now, one of the things that if anybody who's listening is thinking, I could host one of these in my home. I could have my friends around for this. Um, now, you do have fabulous support packs that people can get, don't you, with bunting and cake wrappers. And you, you, the Cancer Council SA puts a lot into this, don't they? Mm, yeah. So we try and make everyone's um, hosted event as successful as possible. So if anyone wants to register to host a Biggest Morning Tea, they can do so by going to the website biggestmorningtea.com.au or they can uh, ring a Cancer Council um, on, uh, I haven't got the number in front of me, I must find it. I'll find it before the end of the podcast. Um, one 65 65 85 and you can register that way. And what we'll then do is send a host pack out to you um, which, as you say, includes recipe tips, bunting, um, various paraphernalia to make your event as successful as possible uh, and to make you as a host um, as successful as possible. It's exciting. I've received hmm. mine. We've Good. received ours. We're very excited um, for it. Um, now, Lincoln, before I let you go, if anybody listening to our Talk the Walk podcast today would like to get more information about Cancer Council SA, is it cancersa.org.au that they could Yes. Use? So that's the website. And if anyone needs to reach out for support services, 13 11 20 is the number to ring. And that will put you through to a cancer nurse. And that's a free service. So it doesn't matter whether you're the person diagnosed with cancer or you're a family member um, unsure of how to approach someone or a workmate wanting to have a conversation. Um, that, that service is there for anyone who wants to ring and get information. But yes, cancersa.org.au or 13 11 20. Excellent. And all of those details will be underneath where you're listening to this podcast right now. It'll be in the comments section for you as well. So the number to register if you would like to host your own Australia's biggest morning tea is 1-800-65-65-85. You know you want to go baking. You know you want to get out there and impress everyone with your culinary skills. You know you just want to, as Lincoln has already said, gather, share and give. Lincoln Size, it's been a pleasure to have you on our podcast today talk the walk and we wish you all the very best um, for may australia's biggest morning tea thank you janie i sincerely appreciated the opportunity to speak and uh, and congratulate you on hosting your own morning tea as well so thank you thank you well if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast just as much as i've enjoyed bringing it to you make sure that you comment below share it uh, as well and um, let your friends know about talk the walk because we love as i said before we love to bring you 
different ideas, organisations, people making a difference to our communities because that's what it's all about. So until the next time, this is Janie Morris signing off from Talk the Walk and wishing you an absolutely fabulous day.